0: Welcome to the International Trade Minute, quickfire trade news, where time is trade. We are your go-to podcast for rapid and concise updates on trade and law, designed specifically for busy trade professionals. Sponsored by Rydell Law Firm and prepared by seasoned trade attorneys, our twice-weekly podcast packages your essential trade updates, all in the time it takes to enjoy your coffee break. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, And join the conversation with a network of like-minded professionals on LinkedIn, where time is trade, make every minute count. In today's episode, we're delving into some impactful stories that are shaping global trade dynamics. Let's get started.
1: First up, we delve into a story that's making waves across the political and economic spectrum, China's sanctions on U.S. defense companies over a recent Taiwan arms deal. Let's unpack this. The U.S. has long been a supporter of Taiwan, bound by the 1979 Taiwan Relations Act to assist in the island's defense. Recently, the Pentagon announced a sale of tactical systems to Taiwan, a move that has drawn sharp criticism from Beijing. This deal focuses on life cycle support for Taiwan's C4 capabilities, which include command, control, communications, and computers. Experts like Dean Chen from Ramapo College see this as less provocative compared to past deals, Like the 2019 sale of F 16 fighter jets. However, Beijing's response has been swift and severe, with sanctions against five U.S. defense companies. This seems like a balancing act for the U.S. supporting Taiwan while trying to maintain a fragile relationship with China. As this story unfolds, military dynamics in the region are shifting. The U.S. arms sales are seen as a counter to Beijing's growing military might. But what does this mean for Taiwan's defense strategy? Taiwan is focusing on a porcupine strategy, emphasizing smaller, more advanced technologies to counter a stronger adversary. The C4 upgrade is crucial here, enhancing Taiwan's ability to coordinate its military forces effectively. And Beijing's perspective? From Beijing's viewpoint, these sales are an obstruction to reunification efforts and are seen as a direct challenge to China's rise. This has led to a hardening stance from Beijing and potentially an increased likelihood of forceful reunification attempts. With Taiwan's presidential elections approaching, there's a generational divide over reunification. Raymond Kuo from Rand Corporation suggests that international support for Taiwan complicates Beijing's approach, forcing it to rely more on persuasion than coercion. Taiwan's increasing ties with the U.S. have led to heightened military and economic pressure from Beijing. The frequent military exercises around Taiwan are a testament to this escalating tension. In conclusion, this situation isn't just about arms sales. It's about the broader U.S.-China dynamic and the delicate balance in the Taiwan Strait. The U.S. insists that its arms sales are about deterrence, not aggression. The sanctions imposed by China on U.S. defense companies over the Taiwan arms deal represent a critical moment in international relations. The outcome of this high-stakes geopolitical game will have far-reaching consequences for global trade, security, and diplomacy. Up next, we're discussing a significant ruling by the U.S. Customs and Border Protection, CBP, that affects the role of U.S. affiliates in international trade. Let's dive into the details. This story revolves around Hoya USA, the American affiliate of a Dutch multinational company, Hoya BV. The CBP has ruled that despite Hoya USA acting as a sales agent and receiving commissions based on sales, it does not have the right to make entry for goods into the U.S. Why is this important? Well, under U.S. customs laws, only the owner, purchaser, or a broker of goods can qualify as an importer of record. And to be an importer of record, there must be a significant financial interest in the goods. Let's break down the specifics. This ruling comes from an internal advice request regarding the importation of erythritol, a sugar substitute, by Hoya BV from China. Hoya USA was listed as the importer of record, but did not directly sell these goods to U.S. customers. Their role? more of a consultant and sales support, focusing on business consulting services, quarterly reporting, financial analysis, and promoting Hoya BV's products. The catch here is that their commission was based on logistics and duty costs, not directly tied to the sales or ownership of the goods. This decision by the CBP has broader implications for multinational companies operating in the U.S., It clarifies the criteria for being an importer of record and emphasizes the need for a direct financial interest in the imported goods. The ruling signifies that merely receiving commissions or acting as a sales support does not equate to having a sufficient financial stake in the goods. This could lead to changes in how multinational companies structure their U.S. operations and agreements with their affiliates. So what's the takeaway for businesses? Companies must carefully evaluate their agreements and roles of their U.S. affiliates in the import process. It's crucial to establish a clear financial interest in the goods being imported to meet the criteria set by the CBP for an importer of record. Failure to comply with these guidelines could lead to legal complications and delays in the import process, impacting the overall efficiency of international trade operations. On to our next story, we're talking about a significant development in customs processing, The U.S. Customs and Border Protection, CBP, has made a ruling regarding the generation of invoices for entry documentation through Electronic Data Interchange, EDI. Let's get into the details. The CBP has confirmed that customs brokers, like Mohawk Global Logistics, can generate commercial invoices from data provided through EDI transmissions. This is a big step in streamlining the customs process, as it leverages technology to make trade more efficient. EDI is a system that allows the transfer of data electronically between organizations, and in this context, it's being used to transfer commercial invoice elements either from the shipper-seller or the importer of record. According to the CBP's ruling, as long as the invoice meets the timing and content requirements of customs regulations, it's considered valid. This means that the computer-generated invoice will be treated as an original commercial invoice under CBP regulations— not requiring any additional declarations like those needed when using copies. The key here is that these EDI-generated invoices must contain all the necessary information, including the name of a responsible employee who has knowledge of the transaction. The absence of a physical signature, which is a common feature in digital transactions, does not invalidate the invoice. This ruling simplifies the entry process for goods into the United States, By allowing invoices to be generated through EDI, customs brokers can streamline their operations, reducing paperwork and potentially speeding up the customs clearance process. This move by the CBP shows a recognition of the growing role of digital solutions in international trade and their commitment to adapting regulations to modern business practices. The CBP ruling also offers flexibility for handling additional declarations that may be required for specific commodities. According to Mohawk, these could either be transmitted by EDI and included on the form, or provided separately by the importer of record or their supplier if necessary. This flexibility ensures that all compliance requirements can still be met in a digital framework. Moving on to our next news, we're delving into a significant development in U.S.-China trade relations. The U.S. Department of Agriculture, USDA, is grappling with new Chinese export facility requirements that are impacting American exporters. Let's get right into it. The USDA's Foreign Agricultural Service has released new guidance for U.S. exporters facing difficulties under China's Decree 248. This decree requires U.S. production facilities to comply with new customs and registration procedures before their products can be exported to China. The Biden administration has labeled these new measures as opaque and burdensome, pointing out a lack of transparency from China in response to U.S. queries. The main issue is Delays in registering facilities, particularly for new applicants, which is causing significant holdups for exporters. The USDA is actively seeking clarity from China's customs agency, trying to fully understand the registration process for new facilities. This is crucial because, under the new regulations, only products produced after a facility is fully registered are eligible for import into China. This marks a change from China's earlier statements, which indicated that imports would be eligible as long as the U.S., facility was registered before the products were shipped. This shift in policy has not been officially notified to the World Trade Organization, adding to the confusion and frustration for U.S. exporters. This development is more than just a procedural hurdle. It reflects the ongoing complexities in U.S.-China trade relations. With the USDA still trying to navigate these new requirements, the situation underscores the need for clear and consistent trade policies and regulations. For U.S., Exporters, particularly in the agricultural sector, these changes could mean reevaluating their market strategies and potentially facing increased costs and delays in accessing one of the world's largest markets. Looking ahead, the USDA's efforts to gain clarity and streamline the registration process will be critical. The resolution of these issues will not only impact individual exporters, but also the broader trade relationship between the U.S. and China. It's a situation that requires close monitoring as it holds significant implications for international trade dynamics. To end our episode for today, we're discussing a critical development in the cannabis industry, particularly focusing on import supply chains and customs compliance. Let's jump right in. The Customs and Border Protection, CBP, is intensifying its scrutiny on cannabis industry imports, specifically targeting undervaluation practices. According to a January 2nd blog post by law firm Neville Peterson, the CBP's growing understanding of cannabis-related products is enabling it to detect and act against underreporting of values more effectively. An interesting tactic noted by Neville Peterson involves foreign shippers using straw man companies to act as the U.S. Importer of Record. This strategy has been employed to disconnect the foreign shipper's name from the importation of cannabis-related articles. However, the CBP has been rejecting entries where the importer of record does not have a legitimate ownership or purchasing interest, in the merchandise. This issue of undervaluation isn't small scale. Some shippers have been found to grossly undervalue their merchandise. In recent cases, when the true value is discovered, the U.S. buyer, who must step forward and prove their interest in the shipment, is then required to file a new entry and pay additional duties. Neville Peterson's attorney confirmed that the firm is handling cases for industry members facing potential duty liabilities ranging from $1 million to $25 million. The crux of the matter lies in the cannabis industry firms, often leaving shipping and customs issues to their suppliers, leading to these undervaluation problems. With the CBP's enhanced enforcement actions, it's crucial for companies in the cannabis industry to closely monitor and manage their import supply chains, and ensure compliance with CBP regulations. What does this mean for the industry? It's a clear signal that the cannabis sector needs to adapt swiftly to these regulatory changes. Companies must take a proactive approach in assessing their import procedures and ensure they are in line with legal requirements to avoid potential liabilities and disruptions.
0: Thank you for joining us on International Trade Minute, your rapid source of trade updates for busy trade professionals, and we hope to have you back for our next episode.